Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There it is. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Life's Rec Canada's Mental Health Gallery, where we celebrate insight, education, and experiences from the world of mental health. I'm your host, Kyle Moore, and we are back. We're back, baby, with our third annual Valentine's Day special episode on sex, love, and relationships. Always one of our most popular episodes. I wonder why. Last year at this time, I was gearing up for the Big Brother Canada house, so I was away from the mic. Didn't have uh, We didn't have this episode, but this year we are back with another edition of our spiciest episode of the year oh yeah i i I personally i love this episode because sex love and relationships are three areas of life that there's always a lot of questions that kind of surround these areas of life and they are areas of life that are so deeply and richly affected by things like emotional well-being emotional intelligence mental health as a whole and yet we don't kind of like create these open dialogues there's a lot of questions though there's a lot of uncertainty floating around but we don't just necessarily just bring them out to the open just talk about them you know we act like there, there's so much we we just impose this shame this taboo we just pretend like like no no, no whatever's happening is only happening to me so, so this is this isn't something that like other people will understand this is just me and it's like yeah this world is intimate and it's unique but it doesn't have to be something where we we pretend like it's this secular thing that nobody else experiences when it's a it's a key part of the human experience you know we bottle it all up and then we don't practice we don't celebrate and acknowledge that it's it's very awkward but it's very human this intimacy both emotionally and physically that like dominates certain important parts of our lives and so like in so many areas of mental health today is a celebration of the wreck the absolute wreck the disaster that is sex, love, and relationships. One of the things that I've been focused on this year, I've said that I wanted to make 2023 the healthiest year of my life, and this extends itself, pun very much intended. I literally wrote it out to my sex life. Actually, a little bit of a life update. One of the areas I've been focused on when trying to improve my health, and this very much relates to sex, has been how I've been feeling my body. 
I started looking into different supplements and health beverages to add to my daily routine. And I, I came across Magic Mind, which markets itself as the world's first productivity shot. I, I'm not huge on grind culture and it's a, a effect on self-worth and just mental health as a whole. It's a lot of, a lot of, it's a very flawed ideology. So I actually reached out to this company because I was curious, you know, after seeing their marketing, like what they were all about. They were awesome. They got back to me. They told me about their mission and they basically wanted to create something that you could incorporate into your every day, into your daily routine that would help you focus on what matters most to you. So I gave them a chance and I've been taking this little shot for four days now. And I've genuinely, I took a shot right before I started editing this podcast and I've genuinely seen a difference in my levels of focus and a reduced desire to be like, to doing things like checking my phone while I've been editing. It's just a very, it's a gentle guidance in the direction of, uh, of where you need to go. It's kind of, it's kind of tough to explain, but it's kind of like the outside noise tends to quiet, to dissipate a little bit. I've genuinely been really impressed. Uh, it tastes awesome and it's packed with nootropics like cordyceps and Boca Bamonieri, which are natural substances that enhance cognitive performance and brain health through reducing inflammation, increasing oxygen levels and blood flow in the brain and adaptogens like ashwagandha that decrease stress levels. Plus, it has turmeric, vitamin C, echinacea, and vitamin D3, which helps support your immune system. As a listener of Life's Direct, uh, if you are looking to prioritize performance this year, drink less coffee, limit distractions, or just add a healthy habit to your routine, you can get 56% off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase by visiting magicmind.co slash lifesarec and using code lifesarec20 at checkout. Again, go check out magicmind.co slash lifesarec and use code lifesarec20. So how we're going to go about the show today is we're going to break it down into two parts. So first, like always, I just want to talk, you know, I just want to sit here with my mic and just kind of, just kind of just, just vent, you know what I mean? Just, just talk about sex, love relationships, what, what it's looked like this past year, how my mental health has played a role in these areas of my life and, you know, just really get into all the good stuff. And then secondly, I'm really excited because I get to share with you guys this chat with Halifax filmmaker Spencer McKay, where we keep with this theme and then we talk about Spencer's mental health journey and how it's impacted his sex, love, and relationship life, his outlook on that. Um, really incredible insight. I'm very excited to share that conversation with all of you. It's, it's just two men in their early 20s talking about mental health and how it relates to like the most intimate, vulnerable areas of their life. And, you know, this is what you came for. This is the, the, the nitty gritty of the, uh, of the Valentine's Day special. So uh, let's get into it. First things first, what's new with my brain and how has it impacted my junk? It's a great question. Let's get into it. When I look back at this year for me and I reflect on my sex life, my love life, my relationships uh, through the lens of mental health, there are really three kind of situations and three events that really jump off the page. And I wanted to make this note because I'm only going to talk about two of them, because I think that the third and potentially even the most prominent one is a episode in and of itself. Um, sexual health uh, is something that is so unbelievably nuanced. It is so intricate. And I think it deserves the opportunity to be talked about in an episode in its entirety with an expert and sitting down and really kind of addressing, um, you know, stigma surrounding things like sexually transmitted diseases, um, the, the different kinds of ideologies that are being preached uh, to, to children, the ideologies that I grew up being preached and that I was putting on other people throughout, you know, a, a large portion of my life. Um, and, uh, and these expectations and, and 
kind of wrapping your head around certain situations. And I just like, I mean, granted, it's a, it is a conversation that I think needs the space. I mean, granted, this is a two-part conversation that we're having today about sex, love, and relationships. The Valentine's Day special, I'm sitting here, I'm going to kind of spend 10, 15 minutes, give or take, sitting here and talking about these experiences over the past year. And then I'm sitting down having this 50-minute conversation with Spencer. And that is really, that's the spotlight. Spencer's experiences, his insight, it's it's so wonderful and unique and it's just it, it, it it's awesome uh, it's really a great conversation i'm very excited for you guys to listen to that um that'll be coming up very very soon and so i was like that's a full episode in and of itself and i think that, that this uh that one of the three experiences in and of itself needs an entire episode and granted we're getting into all the intimate vulnerable details i'm like you know what we can push one off to the side we'll put that book back on the shelf we'll turn the lights off in that section of the gallery for now so the other two things that I want to talk about today are my relationship with sexual confidence on and off mental health medication, and then also communication in relationships. Those are the two things that, apart from that third thing, which we'll, we'll set aside for now, those are the two things that just, when I look back, when I was, I was thinking, I was like, well, what do I want to talk about for um, the, the first little portion of this episode? Those are the two things that just boom, boom popped, exploded off the page. And I think the first one that I want to touch on is this sexual confidence. Now, I'm somebody who my sexual confidence has... My sexual confidence has developed over years and years. And it's developed with my sense of self. It's developed as I've built my self-confidence. But one of the things that I always accredited um, to... A bit of a, a bit of a turnaround, a bit of a, um, a rebranding of uh, Kyle Moore's, uh, you know, sexual confidence was when I started when I was when I went on mental health medication because I like I've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast and if you haven't listened to them please go back and listen to them it'll give you a bit of a uh, a more well-rounded kind of uh, sense as to what I want to talk about today and the reason that I'm sharing all of these stories is to help destigmatize these conversations and the things that people go through because I think that when we have conversations about sex um, and especially kind of when you get into things like sexual confidence when you get into sexual performance there are so many different, uh, you know, elements of that that so many people experience that the highs, the lows of all of it. And I think that it's just important to acknowledge that it's all normal. The, the highs and lows, the good days, the bad days, th- those are all things. It, it ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. And it's just important to just talk about it. There's no hell. There's no shame in this. And like I've talked about before, you know, one day all of the we'll all just be space dust. So why not just kind of sit and just say, Hey, I'm human too. And these are things that I experienced. And Hey, maybe you experienced them too. And you felt shame around them, or you felt like they were stigmatized or you felt like you were the only one going through it. And if I can just be one person who you hear and go, Oh, wow. He went through a a similar thing. I'm, I'm going through and, and damn, he's doing okay. Then I think that that's, that, that to me is just, is just everything. And so one of the uh, one of the areas of my life that I was always very self conscious about was because of my anxiety um, and uh, and getting getting so in my head during sex. Uh, I would have a uh, I, I growing up had at times not all the time it wasn't a uh, it wasn't an every time thing but at times in my life I would have a bit of a uh, you know it was a little uh, it was a little little quick to the jump you know what I'm saying and. Uh, 
this was always something that uh, when uh, these situations would arise where uh, the band hit its crescendo uh, a little bit uh, before the uh, conductor was ready, um, it was, uh, I, I always just, I always just felt shame. I felt bad about it. I felt like I dropped the ball. No, no pun intended. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I was like, and I, I did, I just felt, I felt super shitty about that. And I actually learned that it was one of those things that anxiety can play a significant role. Anxiety, OCD, depression, um, can play a significant role in sexual performance. Um, some people, uh, you know, it, it shows up in so many different ways. Uh, where some people will experience um, uh, sexual dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, um, and then some people kind of experience the opposite end of the spectrum, and uh, anxiety will play uh, play a role in that. And I found when I went on um, medication that that issue drastically reduced when I first went on Zoloft search line that that it drastically reduced the amount of times that that would uh, or the percentage chance I guess you could say that uh, you know when I would engage in in any kind of uh, uh, sex um, that uh, that issue um, or what I deemed as an issue would uh, would, would come up and I was on uh, I was on this medication for two years, and during that time, uh, it, it literally it became it became a non factor. Um, I was much more in control of uh, of when um, the champagne bottle would pop, and uh, and it felt good. I'm not gonna lie, it was a uh, it was a sense of uh, you know felt felt solid when you'd go into a uh, a sexual experience uh, a counter uh, with somebody, and uh, and you were like, oh no, I'm I'm here. Like this is, uh, I'm, I'm showing up exactly how I want to. And I went off my medication after my big brother Canada experience. Cause I noticed that my medication was making me, uh, was, was making me feel uh, pretty crappy. And the doctor that I was working with is now overseas and I was no longer working with them and, uh, things were getting a little bit, uh, and it just kind of, it just didn't feel right. And so I started to, um, get to a point and, uh, you know, doing it safely of getting off uh, my medication, um, to try and see if, uh, of that, if that would, um, you know, if that would just kind of be an option for me to, uh, to, to be off medication. And sure enough, the, uh, the issues that I faced before going on those, this medication, uh, came back. And it was then that I had to start to look at my sex life in a different way because it was almost like you took the PED away and it's like, okay, now this is me. And, and, you know, it's like, and granted the entire time I was like, this is me granted, I'm the one showing up. I'm the one swinging the bat at home plate. Um, but it was like, I had to take the time and sit down and be like, and, and redefine my sexual worth where it's like, oh no, just because there are these, uh, there's these moments that, that arise where it's like, okay, um, I might not want this to happen, but now it's something that I have to work with. And that's what it just became was this self-acceptance of like, there are, there are workarounds for this. I started to become much more uh, in tune with, uh, you know, experimenting with partners in terms of, uh, of different, um, I don't know, shit. I mean, like, I don't really know how nitty uh, gritty we want to get on those. Um, but like, you know, you just start to, to look at the, the ways that you can help mitigate uh, the situation in terms of, uh, you know, different kinds of sex, whether it be oral um, and, uh, and and some more kind of like foreplay-esque uh, elements to sex and incorporating them throughout the, uh, the sexual kind of penetrative sex. And, uh, and that was something that uh, w- was really nice to kind of 
reclaim the sense of like, even if I'm not able to just kind of like every time hit a home run out of the park 99% of the time. And if it, and if that drops down to like, well, now it's kind of like, you know, like 60% of the time we're, we're going and, and hitting big, but there's that 40% where it's like, okay, things aren't uh, exactly what they want them to, what we want them to be. Um, it was like, I'm still enough in those situations. And like, I got nothing to be ashamed of. I'm just a, I'm a red blooded human uh, I'm a man and, uh, and this is just something that like, it's just a part of my sex life. And it's like, and just accepting that and being like, there's still a lot of pleasure that can be had by both parties, uh, in this situation, regardless of, uh, of how my anxiety is deciding to show up, um, during these, these sexual experiences. And so that was a very empowering thing that I've, I've really experienced this past year. Uh, and actually it's so funny is I, I actually have recently kind of got back onto a different medication, um, uh, you know, similar to Zoloft and Sertraline. And, uh, and the issue in and of itself, or, or I keep saying issue because it was one of those things that was, as I said, um, an element of like, uh, it, it diminished a little bit of my, my self-confidence in, in the realm of sex. But it's, it's kind of one of the, the medication has helped a little bit again, same thing, kind of like Zoloft, taking it back a little bit. But not to the significance that Zoloft did. And so I've just noticed that like, as I've just gained this natural confidence of just accepting the situation, the situation and being like, shit, I'm still like, there's still a lot of fun that, uh, that my partner and I are having. Um, that's awesome. And it, and it's great. And it just kind of like, I think that at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's much more the mentality and, and how you choose to kind of approach the situation. Um, understanding that, you got to work with what you have, the cards that you've dealt or you've been dealt or the cards that you've been dealt. And there's nothing to be ashamed of with those cards. You just got to learn how to play them. And, uh, and that's been amazing. And then speaking of my partner, I think that, uh, so this year I've started, uh, I started dating again. Uh, and this is the second thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into our conversation with Spencer. Um, and, uh, this is the, uh, this is, you know, kind of really like the, the second, I guess it's the third official relationship that I've had in my life, but the second one that's lasted longer, um, than, uh, than kind of like three months. And, uh, with my new partner, um, first of all, wonderful, wonderful individual. I'm very, I'm a very lucky man. Um, yeah, my girlfriend's wonderful. Uh, and, and one of the things that I'm, I'm so fortunate about and, and the thing that when I was thinking back and I was like, okay, you know, the sex life, that's fantastic. Things are going really well. But I was like, what makes the sex so good? And I was like, communication. And then I was like, well, what makes the relationship work? And it was communication. Well, you know, when you're talking about, uh, when you're talking about kind of where you're at with, with, um, you know, heavy, deep feelings, uh, towards each other and, and the stages that you're at in those feelings, What's the biggest thing that jumps out? Communication. And I really, you know, I'm very thankful that I've had the opportunity to learn about communication um, this year. And one of the biggest ways that communication has, has, you know, come up is I've learned that when you're working with somebody, when when you're building something with somebody, whether it's a regardless of what kind of relationship it is, how you communicate with one another is like, is like, it's like learning a new language that only you two can speak where there's a lot of trial and error. 
And I think that that's the thing is like we have this expectation that inherently people are just going to understand us, right? This unspoken rule that they're going to be able to read my mind and know what, know what I'm thinking. But one of the things that my a grace, an absolute grace that my partner has shown me has been patience in that trial and error. You know, my mental health, there's been a few times within our relationship where I've gotten overwhelmed by certain situations in my life. And I feel like my relationship has kind of like suffered as a consequence of that because I've been so overwhelmed. My communication has I've kind of receded into myself and I've been skeptical if, if I could be around anybody. If, you know, I just want to withdraw into myself. I don't want to be responsible for anybody else's well-being. I don't want to have to think about the emotional stability or the emotional um the emotional well-being of anybody else. I just need to take care of myself and that's it. But then, you know, my partner being very vocal in that she's willing to be patient in let's talk about it. What's, what space do you need? What boundaries do you need to set? How long do you need to kind of reset and of yourself? How can I help and facilitate that? And that has just been one of those things where that has just been one of the truest graces that, um, that I, I've been given and something that I'm, I'm unbelievably thankful for. And, um, as this trial and error has kind of went along, it's, it's just been fun. And I think that that's something that like, I think is important is when you are building, when you were learning how to communicate with somebody, this there, you know, it's tough. It is hard. It really, really is, but it should be fun because it's like, you're getting to, you know, you're, you're learning how to you're, it's I, it's so hard to describe, right? Because you're learning how to flow your energies with somebody else. You're learning about them, their most vulnerable and intimate side and how it relates, how it interacts and dances and sings with that part of you. And like, it's just, it's just wonderful. And so, you know, communication, and I know that this, you know, I, I understand that this isn't particularly a lot of actionable advice. Um, and, and here, if we want to give a little bit of action, because that's the thing is I, I don't even feel qualified to give actionable advice because it's, it's something that I'm in the midst of as I sit here, um, with this microphone in front of me, I'm actively learning more about how to communicate with my partner, how to communicate with myself so that I'm, I'm able to like, not just let the little things go or whatever until I just shut down or the little things become the big things, you know, how it's like just little things in the moment to have those, to have those little conversations before they turn into the big conversations, because the little conversations are in my, the way that I kind of have learned to see them is that like the little conversations, that's an act of care towards that person and towards yourself and towards your relationship to have to address the little things when they come up to just to speak your mind openly and to have a partner who invites that is just is is really wonderful but to also be open to an element of of um to be open to an element of criticism in in the most in one of the most scary ways, because it's a very intimate criticism, but also in a, in a very caring criticism where it's like, I'm saying this because I care about moving forward and taking steps. And that's just something that, uh, you know, that's just something that you're right. So in terms of an actual piece of advice that I almost don't even feel like I should, uh, I should put out there, but something that I found that really works for us is, when somebody's kind of expressing the fact that they've had a tough day or that they're experiencing a certain kind of emotion, um, clarifying what they need in that moment through a sentence like, 
Uh, do you need somebody to listen or do you want advice? Um, do you want steps in the, do you want steps or do you want just an ear? And that is something that has just been awesome. And it's, it's worked really well for us, um, would highly recommend. So if that's one of those things where, cause I'm a big, like, listen, I got this, you know, with the, with the podcast and just with kind of who I am hardwired to be as a person, when there's people in my life that I care about and they, and they come to me and they say, well, this is going on in my life. Even though, you know, I've, I've kind of been conditioned through the podcast and now be a little bit more, take that step back and try not to instantly give that advice. That's tough. And as you know, when people are recovering people pleasers and all that kind of stuff, it is, it is difficult not just to launch into, um, I need to try to fix this situation because then it's just making it all about you, right? It's not about the other person anymore. Now you're just, now you're just making it about you because you're trying to fix this situation. I have the answer. I, 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 when it's not about you, it's about them. And so making sure that they know that you are willing to give them what they need is, is hugely important. So those are the two things that I just feel like have really kind of stood out in my life. And, uh, and, and I appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. Uh, I hope that maybe some of that resonated with, uh, with somebody listening. And, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, you know, when you're talking about sex, love and relationships, those are the two out of the three things. The third thing will get talked about for sure. But, uh, but for now we're going to kind of, um, yeah, we'll, we'll turn the page without further ado. I am really excited for this because now officially, finally, we've got our chat with award-winning filmmaker, Spencer McKay. I got a DM a while back from Spencer and, and he was pitching to be on the podcast and one of the areas of his life uh, that he has explored through his art was interabled relationships. And after chatting, I thought he would be an amazing fit for this episode based on the quality and the uniqueness of the insight into the world of mental health and how it relates to sex, love and relationships in his own life. Spencer McKay is an award-winning filmmaker, stand-up comedian, and disability activist. He has a rare form of dwarfism called spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia congenita. His film credits thus far include, but are not limited to, the multi-award-winning film Same Nightmare, Scouter Joe, and Interabled, Flaking Around with Matt Flake, which was nominated for Best Dark Comedy at the Portland Comedy Film Festival, among other festival recognitions. As a comedian, he's performed at the Just for Last Montreal Festival and the Canada-wide Tinder Tales show. One of the things I love most about Spencer is that I believe he represents... I really, honestly, I really believe that he represents what I love most about Life's a Wreck. That when you come into this show, when you come into this community, what matters most is your story. The quality and the openness and the uniqueness of your voice. And I think with Spencer, there's there's that in spades. So I encourage you to sit down and to listen to the content of, of Spencer's insight and his story. Uh, an incredible person. Spencer, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? First of all, thank you for having me on the podcast, man. I, I love what you're doing. I love the message that you're putting out there. I think this is great. I've been I've been listening for a while. I've been following you for a while. Thank you, man. So thank you for having me. Hey, it's honestly it's a pleasure to have you on, dude. This is good. like I could not think of a better way to have this uh, this Valentine's Day sex relationship mental health uh, kind of conversation. After I heard your story, I was like, I think this is a good fit. Well, that's what everyone thinks of when they think of me. Yeah, there you Valentine's go. Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, yeah, so I guess to answer your question is, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, doing, doing well. I, uh, I'm in a transitional phase of my life 
Well, I'm getting ready to start another film. Mm-hmm. I was just up, up seeing my family in Amherst and Moncton as well, so I, I got to spend some good good quality time with them. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm exercising regularly. I'm taking care of my mental health. I'm taking good. care of my physical health as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just in a really good place right now. I think I'm probably in one of the best places I've been in, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, all that, and probably ever. Like, I, I just, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm surrounded by so much love right now and good. and care and, and joy, and it's been, I'm doing really well. That sounds, that's that's amazing to hear, man, because that sounds like a really nice place to be. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it took, took some time to get there, of yeah. course, but it comes from, as, as, as you know all too well, Prioritizing mental health, prioritizing yep. your own journey and, and processing things and reflecting on things, and yep. I'm, I'm doing great. That's great, man. When, like, you talk about this transitional part of your life because obviously, like, you know, to go from a place where maybe you weren't quite as happy with where you were mentally or just didn't feel quite as healthy as you do now, um, to now get to this point, obviously, like, that's a, that is a journey in and of itself. So I'm kind of curious, like, what do you think kind of sparked that? transition where you're like no 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 i can go in a better direction i don't have to guess on that one okay it's pretty clear for me yeah. when, when that was it was the fall of 2020 actually fall of 2020 okay i there was just and as i think it does with with a lot of a lot of straight guys it starts with a girl mm-hmm. you know <laughs> um it, it was uh there was this girl that i've been friends with for Quite some time mm. back in 2020, mm-hmm. and I uh, hit her. Uh, we were starting to get closer, and it seemed like things were going to happen for us. Mm-hmm. And then, just out of nowhere, this person said they were going to move to Florida. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> when they when they moved to Florida, I said to myself, like, okay, they're, they're going to go. They're going to go to Florida for a period of time. They said mm-hmm. they were coming back. And so when they when they went to, went to Florida, I made the decision that I was gonna do. I was gonna reevaluate my life and make sure that when she came back, mm. I was in a better place than where she had left me. And mm. what I realized is, I was probably pretty lucky that she went to Florida because I wasn't in a place back then to be a good romantic partner to this this person, mm-hmm. despite how much the both of us may have cared for one another. Yep. I wasn't taking care of my physical health, my mm-hmm. mental health, mm-hmm. my, you know, I was still living in the same dorm room in the, in the university that I, I graduated university in 2018, mm-hmm. or college, I, I should say, yeah. and I did not leave, leave that dorm room until 2020, 2021, actually. Did, was the university not, like, banging down your door, being like, hey, man, what's going on here? Amazingly, no. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair I, enough. So they, they just kind of let me stick around, and, cool. like, you know, I thought to myself, like, oh, as someone who, like, uses a wheelchair, who was a fully accessible apartment. Mm-hmm. I, I had the I had the way of the land in that place because I could do everything everything there fully independently. Absolutely. I was like, why am I going to give this up for like some second rate place? Mm-hmm. And then I found a great place, mm-hmm. you know. And and but needless to say, if it hadn't been for that experience with that girl that moved to Florida, yeah. I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have, that was to me the. The, the spark that yeah. brings me the idea of like, mm. oh, I need to take care, take care of myself, yeah, so that I can take care of someone else too. 
it's a, it's kind of a wild realization to have because I've been through a very similar realization in my life where I've been with partners and then after going through a breakup realizing like wow like I wasn't I wasn't the partner that I want to be because of some certain things with my mental health that like are my responsibility to deal with. And to have that realization is like, it's a tough one to kind of come to, but when you do finally have it, it is wonderful to kind of look yourself in the mirror and be like, we like, I can get better. I can do things better. I can be better for myself. I can be like, I can cultivate this relationship with myself so that one day when I do finally get in that relationship, that, that one, that perfect one, that's kind of right for me that like, I'm able to really like, I'm able to give it my all, not in a way of like trying to please anybody, but just in a way of just trying to be myself like completely. And that's, and that's, you know, uh, it, it's very cool to kind of, to kind of get to that place. Where, where did it kind of all start for you? Cause I'm always so fascinated kind of to, to look in the rear view and kind of say like, oh, like there, there are some certain moments along my life that I can kind of look to and say like, wow, those, cause I think that they don't necessarily always make themselves clear until you go through the process of healing and looking at your life objectively and looking at what events kind of led to. Um, you know, not having the greatest thought processes about yourself or just not feeling like you're at a hundred percent. Um, you know, is there anything that like when you went along this, this journey of betterment that you looked back on and you were like, wow, like that was, you know, that was something that really, that was tough. I was very lucky in the sense that the things that really, the, the, the moments you're talking about were pretty clear from the start. Like mm. there was no, there was no guesswork that I had to Fair. do yep. to figure things out. Like it was, there were there were pivotal events in my life that mm-hmm. really really changed the trajectory of where I went in my life. Like mm-hmm. when I was so, uh, I'll I'll talk about one of my friends. Sure, yeah. You know, and I should say, despite what you're about to hear, this is a cherished friend of mine, <laughs> a, a brother to me. Sometimes the cherished friends, you know, they just have yeah. those moments where you're like, oh, ah, this is. Wish you could is, take that one back. <laughs> this is one of those moments for Fair sure. Enough, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, like, we're still friends to this day, despite Good. what I'm about to tell you. Fair. fair. Um, this, person that, this person and I grew up together since we were, like, five years old. Mm-hmm. So we've been friends for about 20 years almost wow. now. Yep. And he's, he and I, we lived very different lives. We mm-hmm. lived very different experiences. Absolutely. And he saw the way that people would treat me as a kid. And, mm. like, the I, he, he, he was worried for me mm-hmm. because he, he felt like he had to warn me that people would, were, were treating me differently because of the disability. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that was it wasn't like the idea of like, hey, I'm gonna, I care about this person, I want to give them a heads up. It was the way they did it because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're 11 years old, for example, you don't have the maturity to, to an experience to articulate, of course, that message properly. Right? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So the way the way that he the way that he said it was the way that, I should say the way he meant it first was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, some people are going to treat you differently because of disability. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not all people, but some people are." Mm-hmm. The way that he said it instead was, <laughs> "Oh." People are going to treat you, people are going to look at you and treat you differently because of disability. Just kind of a generalization, like exactly. everybody. Yeah. And generalizing anything, you know, is a dangerous game. Absolutely. 100%. You're playing with fire on that one. Yep. 
you know, and, and again, I love I love this person for sure, but he was kind of a buffoon growing sure. up. Yeah, and so yeah. initially when he said it, like, I didn't pay much attention to it. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you give something like that credence, mm. mistrust starts to grow. Mm. And so for me, the thing that the thing that really gave that credence and gave that legitimacy mm-hmm. was I remember when I was a kid in grade eight, mm-hmm. there was this so this is another friend of mine. So, uh, again, I'm not saying any names because I don't want to drag yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I get you, much, I get you. Especially this person yeah. um, who just you know, made a horribly miscalculated mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, again, great person. Sure, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. you know, when we were in grade... I should start with this. In grade four, mm-hmm. I had... The, there was this girl that I was just... Mm-hmm. Head over heels for mm. as any good as old any, elementary school love, you know. Yeah, exactly. Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know the story of all course, too well. Of course, and you know, <clears throat> I would talk on the phone with her. I would, you know, see her at school every day. I just had that like butterfly feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, in grade five, one day she was just gone. Mm. Like disappeared completely. No warning, no no lead up, no like chance to say goodbye, just gone. Mm. Um, I heard stories about why that was the case. Mm-hmm. I never confirmed anything sure. for sure, so yeah. I'm not here to start rumors on that. Of course. But, you know, I just absolutely one day there, one day gone. And I mm. never saw, saw this person again hmm. until Facebook. Mm. I, I reconnected with them when I was in grade seven a couple years later. Right, yeah. And this was right back when Facebook was starting up. Oh, so, the peak of Facebook. Oh, right. exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this was this was like 2010 Facebook, mm. 2011 Facebook. Just just the creme de la creme of Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. I was able to reconnect with her on there. Yep. I was talking again, and I had a, another friend of mine, a different one than the one that I talked to before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They were not a big fan of this person mm. for reasons that I never entirely understood. Sure. But yeah. it's whatever. Yeah. Um, and so one day when we were on my Facebook, you know, we, my buddy had stayed overnight for a sleepover that night, and mm-hmm. we were just on Facebook and stuff. And they saw a status, like a status post, like, like a, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Kind of, mm. I forget what, what it's called. Yeah, like a little that. update kind of thing or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. And this girl was was asking, you know, people on Facebook, hey, what are some good recommendations for sh- some shows? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. As one guy, Innocent right? enough, yeah. And my friend pulls out, you know, in, in hindsight, a pretty good insult for, for <laughs> like, an 11-year-old teenager, right? Yeah. But he, he goes like, hey, why don't you watch Sesame Street and this was to like, learn how to spell? Oh, and this was on your this was on your account. That was what I was about to get to. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the problem, so a great um, great joke. Oh, a, a nice little diss. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was some pirate, I know. Um, the problem is he posted it on my account, mm-hmm. and when she saw the joke, mm-hmm. she didn't see it coming from him. She mm. saw it coming from. Me. Mm. And from there, she just went off on on me. And just watched a tirade, like, 
I'm trying to just an evisceration oh. of me and she targeted the disability mainly. And yeah. like, it was this weird thing of like, someone I had thought like I had this friendship mm. just mm. turned and crucified me online for something that is bad enough when you do something online when you don't even do it and no one knows that, that the truth is. Sure. But but regardless of of whether you know like you had posted it or it had been posted by your friend or whoever, like the idea of coming after something that like you don't have any control over, you know, coming yeah. after like something that like you know is, is just like who a person is. Yeah, it's that's just like it's just crossing so many lines, kind <laughs> she of. She started calling me the O word, and oh like and like yeah. also her friends started jumping on on it as well. It was like this team up of yeah. like. Just, and then, and thankfully it only lasted for a day. So mm. you know, who knows what what kids go through now with cyberbullying? Mm. And was like, that well? Yeah, exactly. And was that that was grade eleven or that was grade? That eight? was grade. That was grade eight. That was yeah. grade, that was in grade eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was like eleven, I think, at the time. Fair. Okay. Well. Yes. Yes. Right, right. Right. Yeah, but like that was a very intense. Well, I can imagine. Well, especially too, like. You know, you're talking about the, the, you know, having a friend come to you and say people are only going to see you for a disability. Yeah. And then somebody who you shared, like, uh, you know, even at that time where it's like, obviously, those feelings are juvenile and innocent. Um, but to share feelings, nonetheless, about a person and then to have them, you know, kind of echo the statement a little bit of that friend and say, like, well, that's, you know, that's how I see you. It's it, that's. It just kind of gives me like that, like crawling up my spine kind of feeling. I'm just like, oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, did, did you always think that? Like, right? Do, yeah. You know, was I in charity case this mm. whole time? You know, what was was when you always kind of talking this way behind my back? Sure. Like, it, it definitely, and it, to me, like I will say, just before we get too heavy here, sure, of course. One thing that looking back, I do find kind of funny was is that in the. Uh, in the comments, like attacking me, mm-hmm. she did misspell a lot of words. <laughs> so I, I, like as bad as the experience was, there is that little part of me that does kind of think, well, <laughs> that is a pretty good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you kind of proved kind of the guy's point there. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and so you know, as bad as the experience was, that's one, the one silver line mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. kind of point to. That's also like, I mean, granted too, um, I think when, whenever you look back at some of like, some of those like firsts and that kind of things within your life, those are, you know, they're, they're things that stick with you, right? You know, like first, first love, first kiss, all of those things are things that like stick with you. And that's a tough lens to, to, to see those relationships through is that like, eventually they'll say the quiet part out loud because everybody, like that idea that everybody's thinking this, everybody's seeing this and, and that's. That's, you know, that's a lot. How would you say that, like, your relationship, your, um, well, I mean, like, how, how did it affect your relationship with yourself? Because I think that that's, like, when we talk about relationships, like, the first relationship that you ever had and the longest relationship you'll ever have is the relationship with yourself. And I'm kind of curious, like, how that affected your the relationship with yourself and kind of how that relationship has developed as you kind of went through teenage years into young adulthood. Well, how... how... How depressed we want to make this episode. 
I mean, well, this, hey, man, this, I mean, this, this is life's wreck. You gotta, be, you know, the final eight hundred dollars on the <laughs> episode. People are listening to this in their cars on the way to like date nights. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> how how depressed do we want to make these people? Well, I think that we can probably give them a bit of a realistic lens. You know, I Got think that okay. uh, hey, we've we've given them a pretty good laugh with the uh, the Sesame Street story. So mm. I think you know you got to uh, you got to get the the real stuff too. In, in in that case, I mean, I don't want I don't want people like to just be crying when they when they make it to dinner. But like, we'll find yeah. a happy little balance here. Okay, good. That's what we're all about. Here. Exactly. So to that to that question, I would say yeah. like, for me, I don't think I really had a relationship with myself. To be honest, I think it eroded mm. that because when you when you grow up thinking that people are just going to treat you differently because of disability, and there's and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And there's a zero-sum game because nothing you do matters because mm. you you can't mm. you can't change it to make it better. You can't make it worse. Pe- people's people's opinions are just set, set on you, and that's all you can do. Mm. That's all you can work with. Mm. And so I remember, I remember as a kid like. I didn't care how I dressed, I didn't care how I looked, but I'm like, what's the point in, like, putting a bunch of effort into, like, how I look, because no one's just not going to change anything. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I kept a small group of friends mm-hmm. that, I, that I knew I could trust, that mm-hmm. I, I felt comfortable. I, I wasn't someone that, like, liked to go and, like, have, like, ten, go into, like, groups of ten. I like mm. to go to parties, of course. Sure, yeah. Like, not, you know, like, I wouldn't want to have, like, a, a friend group that was, like, ten people. I yeah, wouldn't have yeah, a group yeah, that yeah. tight. Yeah, That tight group of people that, like, I knew I could trust. I knew yeah. I had that, that group. You know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends are people who, who I grew up with. Like, I just, I became insulated with the people that I knew I could trust. Mm. And, it, it, and for a long time, I tried to fight back against that narrative. I was like, mm. no, no. It was kind of like like I was in denial. I was like, mm. no, no, that can't possibly be true. I need to find something that's gonna gonna prove 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 me wrong, prove this whole thing wrong. Mm-hmm. And it felt like whatever I did to try and prove it wrong, it just ended up validating it in the end. And like, mm. I think that the no sense. I think I honestly, I made because I, I was reacting to this narrative and reacting to the situation. I think I made life harder on myself than mm. what it needed to be because mm. I was working from such a convoluted lens mm-hmm. that, like, it, it was almost an impossible thing to fit into, mm. and it, was, it just became this confirmation bias in some mm. ways. It seems like there was a lot of like a lot of these kind of preconceived notions, these ideas, uh, just kind of these like these faux rules of life that just kind of seem to be there that and, and you know, self-imposed on yourself and were imposed by other people on you. How do you feel like as you got older into like being a young adult that like you were able to start kind of redefining who Spencer McKay is to Spencer McKay? One of the things that I realized as I got older was it wasn't that I didn't have self confidence mm-hmm. or believe I had self worth. I did because I, I still remained very driven to succeed, and I, I still, you know, I still made work towards 
Then the grades that I saw towards being a filmmaker, I saw mm-hmm. towards all that. I think that I, I think that for me, the problem was always, it wasn't about who I was, mm-hmm. it was about this erosion of trust that other people would be able to see mm-hmm. who I was. And mm-hmm. it, so it, it wasn't that I didn't think that I was great or that I didn't think I was worthy of care and, and love. I, I believe that, you know, all throughout my life. Mm-hmm. It was this idea of like, oh, no one's going to see that. And, right. and as, as I got older, it, that kind of manifested manifest in, in different ways because, mm-hmm. I, you know, there were different piece, parts of my life. I went to high school with my, with my stepbrother who, you know, him and I, him and I get along tremendously well now. We're very close, but there was a period of my life where... You know, I felt a lot of like resentment and like mm. you know, envy towards him because he was he was someone that was beloved and popular, and I was someone that was well known. But unlike him, I always had to wonder why that was the case. Mm. Was with him, he just he he knew why people loved sure. him. He knew he knew that it was because he was this charismatic being, mm. and, and you know because he was this wonderful person. Yeah, still is. He's not dead. I should go right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, he never had to wonder yeah. why. And and so I would kind of, I I pushed myself away from that. I think more than I would have otherwise. Mm. I think. And and I and I felt I kind of kind of was a bit quieter in high school. I think mm. because I I didn't want to embarrass him, and I didn't mm. want to, and I knew. I I believe that I could make things better for myself, but I could make things worse, worse. for myself mm. or worse for other people. Yeah. And then when no, I got I, when yeah. I got to college, when I got to university, it was just me there, and mm-hmm. I and I reached this point in my life where I said like, okay, I'm just gonna have as much fun with this as possible. Yeah. Because on the flip side, if you if people are always gonna see you the same way. Why not just take advantage of that? Why not let yourself be free and mm. try things and explore things and have take fun with chances, things? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the idea that like, oh, people are gonna treat me the same way whether I do this stuff or not, mm-hmm. it kind of emboldened me to go out and do more events to to be more active. Mm-hmm. Did Do you feel like those like taking chances? Um, did they extend to your romantic life too? Given that it is Valentine's Day, it does seem appropriate that we should touch on that at least a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I I, I should say I'm I'm single now. Mm-hmm. I've I you know, it's it's this weird area for me. Like I, you know, when we talk about that narrative, like I still get PTSD from what happened when I was in. When I was in grade eight, mm-hmm. I still get PTSD from all that. Like, how did that? I, how does that show up? How does how does your PTSD show up when you're in those situations? I think it shows up a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when, when I was in high school, I was talking with a friend of mine, a different one from one, the one I was me- mentioning. One of the many friends in the old backstories. It does come across that way when I think about it now. Yeah, not at all. You're good. Um, but this this friend of mine, him and I were talking, and, and he was like, dude, the, the way that you talk to women, it's like you're talking with your grandmother. What do you mean? Like, and and, and I and looking back on it, mm-hmm. I, it's like, 
Oh, he's a hundred percent right because <laughs> I'm like, so curious what that sounds like. Like, what do you like? Just be like, oh, like they're just the sweetest and like, like I, I'm, I'm curious, kind of like how you I, talk about a, a grandmother and a girlfriend, <laughs> kind of like in the same way. Well, like, you know, I like joking around, we're having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I was so scared. I think I've been so scared to make any kind of mm. jokes and like to, to let myself relax. Mm. I get you now. Okay. Yeah. 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 It will always just be like, you know, it'll, 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 for the longest time, it will always be like, like this. I, I think I would say, like, it would, it would probably be this, like, Larry King interview. Almost, <laughs> you know, where it's just so, so serious and yeah. so, like, so kind of stiff. And, like, yes. you couldn't really get to know anyone. And, and I think that, honestly, the the women at that point in time were one hundred percent right, right mm. to because I wasn't relaxed enough with them to have a good partnership and yeah. to have fun with them. And I, I, dude, I, I have to I have to note very quickly that like I I have to give you some some serious props that like you do. There's such a level of self awareness that you talk with when you talk about things that you experienced in the past and how you felt um, that I think is just so tremendous because I think so many so often. Um, you know, as men, we'll look back in our past and especially men who, um, you know, they, they look back at some of the, the relationship in their life with, with anger and disdain and they look back and they go, it was them. It wasn't me. I was fine. I didn't have to change. The world needed to change around me. But to look back and, and say with like, you know, with, with care and love and perspective and say, no, I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I recognize that now that's like, I just wanted to give you your props for that for sure. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I gotcha. Like, you know, you you can't build a relationship, a romantic relationship, when you're doing a Larry King interview. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, That's true. So if you if you're always looking at it from that angle, if you're always scared, if you're always scared to take chances, and you're scared to take a risk and mm-hmm. make a joke and mm-hmm. lighten up, then mm-hmm. you're just gonna be this. Stone face, like, and that's not. Women don't want that. I don't think. No, I don't I think mean, anybody wants that, right? No matter yeah, who you're exactly. talking to. Yeah, yeah no, nobody. People want people that they can have fun with and exactly. experience life. Hundred percent. Yeah. And like, I couldn't do that to them. Mm. You know, at that point, and it's something that I that I'm still working on. I'm still working on wanting myself. Just letting myself relax and yeah. letting myself have being being allowed to make mistakes. Yes, I, I think that also too, as a person living with a disability, one thing that I I struggle with too is this idea of how much grace are we given? Because mm. when we, I think I, uh, I've been. I've been moving away from that more and more. But, like, from my perspective, one of the things that I have struggled with in the past is this idea that you have to get it right on the first go because mm-hmm. if you don't, you don't get a second chance. Yeah. If, you know, if you have a bad night, you know, say in, in bed or on a date or something, sure. people, people are just going to think, oh, it's an off night, like, yeah. whatever. If I haven't, mm. people... There are a lot of people who would make the assumption that I'm not capable mm. of that thing, and mm. so when you have, when whenever you're such a pressure cooker, 
And that's what it was for me. That's stressful. With, with dating and, uh, and relationships and that. Everything is, is on this pressure cooker. Yeah. That, like, it feels like this... Everything... Everything matters a little bit more to me than it would to someone else. And mm-hmm. I remember when, when Trevor Noah was starting off on The Daily Show, he said yes. to me, you know, every, every seat that is filled in this audience, I, I'm always so grateful because when, when they first started making the show, they couldn't get anyone to come. And yeah. That's what he said. You know, because I, because I know... Well, because I know the empty seat that lies behind mm. it, I'll always be grateful for anyone that is willing to take that leap of faith and come and join this. And I think mm-hmm. for me, the journey that I've taken has really led to a greater appreciation for anyone that is willing to take that leap of faith. Right, that is interesting, and yeah, I've I faced a lot of rejection in my day. Sure, and so. When I do find that person who is willing to, who who is the right match, who yeah. is the right person, I'm gonna appreciate it a lot more because I know the journey it takes to mm. get there for me mm. and for a lot of people like me who are living with a disability. Yeah, I, I, how did you channel? Because you have this like very, this very rich. Back, like backstory as it were with like mental health experiences and growth and all of these things and being an artist and a filmmaker like you know you I'm kind of curious like why you decided to channel these things because like with both Scouter Joe talking a lot about your mental health background and kind of like that development but then also interabled where you kind of like you know when we've talked about it off camera you've kind of talked about it where that film is a little bit like an inner dialogue that you are then working through in your art I'm just kind of curious kind of how you see that relationship between channeling these emotions and these experiences into art and having it being like you know is it is it therapeutic for you is it a learning opportunity like what what does it mean to you well there's a couple answers i can give to that really i mean for me i was very lucky in the sense that i grew up on the ivory case Telethon. so mm. for listeners who are across canada the ivory is a I, the, the biggest children's hospital in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was a kid, when I was a baby, I should say, I lived there for like 18 months mm-hmm. receiving, you know, intensive care. And yeah. every year after that, even when I was in the hospital, I would appear on this telethon, which would raise money for, you know, getting equipment or getting yep. services for helping kids that were coming up who were just like me. And mm-hmm. so... I grew up telling my story on on that. So I've always been open about my life. I've always mm. been very transparent about my life. And mm. so for me, sitting here talking with you or talking with anyone, it's really, it's really not that big of a deal. Like mm. I'm, I'm just that open. Like, with a lot of my friends, I'll sit down and have, have these kinds of conversations with them. Which so is I'll awesome. be just as open with them yep. as I would be on a podcast, the interesting thing is, I'm more comfortable talking about this than I am about like what shows and movies I like. Right, <laughs> which is odd because I would ra- I, I would rather go on a podcast and talk about the darkest parts <laughs> of my life than than sit and have a conversation about 
what TV shows and music I listen to. Yeah. And I know why. It's because I had a family member just crucified me for that growing up. So it's like, oh, oh like, of course I'm not going to share that with people. Yeah, fair enough. But it's like, Jeez. So it's like, it's like with me, I would rather have this. I've always just been open about this. Very and cool. I think that for me, when I make when I make a film, it's just about whatever I'm feeling in that moment. Mm. And, you know, I'm okay with talking about the the emotions that come from it. The mm-hmm. the, the 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 more a story, the more a film is story story centered, the more personal it is for me. Mm-hmm. And then the more the more part heavy a film is, the less personal it is for me. But mm-hmm. I've just I've always kind of just been. Interested in telling stories that I feel I emotionally connect with and with mm. the stuff that's going on in my life. Nice. So, I guess when I was a kid, we'll start there. Sure. Um, I I had this EPA named Sean Hopkins. Mm. And so this particular person decided to use my laptop at the time to type a ridiculous, absurd, nonsensical story... And they created the the character that we all know today as Skeletor Joe. Nice. And so I I remember growing up. They did this over a period of many many years, mm-hmm. like three or four years, and it would be once a month maybe they would they would do a story, right? Mm-hmm. And and for me, I always wanted to turn that into a film. I always wanted to bring it to the big to the big screen for people yeah. to enjoy, and so. I always knew that if I was going to make the film, I needed it to be something that was more than just this character of the of of the of the, you know the sky. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember at when I was I, we, we talked about this girl from Florida, yep. you know, reevaluating my life. That's what the film is about. It's about this guy who who's a bit of a buffoon. Not living the life he wants to, who gets this wake up call and it forces him to reevaluate his entire life and his <coughs> and the idea that he's he's not going after what he really wants to go after in right. his life. Yep. I wrote the film in December of twenty twenty and then my grandfather passed mm. in March of 2021, just as I was applying for grants mm. to make the film. Sorry, yeah. And it became this almost escape, in a way, from dealing with that, I think. Because my grandfather was a very... Like, he loved theater. He created a non-for-profit theater company in in Amherst, Nova Scotia. Very cool. He was a beloved member of the community. Still is, you know. People still talk about him with with love and nice. joy in their hearts. And that's that's beautiful, eh? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so, to me, it became, you know, he was never someone that wanted to be a burden to other people. He wanted people to live their lives, and he wanted to inspire people. And I, I got the sense that like, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have wanted me to sit around moping around. After he passed, he would want me to do what I love, you know, to do what he loved, and so it became a catharsis for me making this kind of drill in dealing with that, with that grief, and sort of almost pushing forward. I think the biggest, I think one of the things that I, a lot of people with mental health maybe you know 
one, one, one challenge I would give them because mm-hmm. I, I don't like to give anyone. I do, I do. Yeah, if you want to sneak it in now, for sure, we can I'll, definitely I'll do sneak that. it in now. All right. You know, if you know that you have, you know, if you if you go through, you know, episodes of depression or bipolar and or anything that that brings you brings you down mm-hmm. and 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 gets you kind of stuck in place. Set some traps for yourself, because when you, when you're in that spot, you can't be the one that's responsible for pulling you out. You have to set set a trap that's gonna force you to be accountable and mm. force you to get up every day mm. in order to to get past. Because if it's up to you, you're not gonna be gonna be able to mm. do it. Fair, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I so, see what you're saying. Yeah. So you you gotta you gotta set some traps. I think. I mean, this may not work for everyone. Sure. I should, hey, I should like, generalize it. Does, it. it never works for everybody. That's the thing, yeah. But if you can, find a way to, find a way to set some traps for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that when you do, when you do find yourself in those moments, mm-hmm. you have something in place that can pull you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can't be up to you. It's got to be up to something Bigger, bigger, mm. something that, that that is not gonna gonna drag you down further, mm. and it's it's hard to get yourself out of those moments. Yeah, for sure. No, you gotta. That's the thing. It's like the idea of kind of kickstarting yourself a little bit, where it's like yeah. you are the one to like, you know, you are the one who is like responsible for your well-being, and you do have to like, you know, you have to be there for yourself. But sometimes it is you need that thing to like force you to get going to take those like first few steps so that then you're like okay i'm already in motion now it's my responsibility to stay exactly. the path yeah for yeah. sure and whether that be you know asking your friend or family member to check in with you you know day to day when you're going through those periods having having a consistent stream of things that are going to going to push you ahead even when you can't push yourself. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, uh, for me, Scouter Joe did that. Yeah. I, it's, been, it's been exceptional. And so really take a moment to, to acknowledge when you're watching the films, the people behind the camera. And yeah, just always. Appreciate the team, the team of the uh, people that we're working, we're working enough to have on, mm-hmm. on every film that we've been doing, doing mm-hmm. since the pandemic. Nice. And so... It's that that for me. It it, it kickstarted a lot of things for me, Good. and it let me let go of the the narrative that had been ingrained into my life mm. for so long. Mm. And then, where do you feel like Interabled fit into all that? It's fascinating because, like Matt Flake, you know, deplorable character has all of these like really outdated views, but they're views that are shared by like. A lot of people. A lot of people, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, and like you said, that idea like earlier in the podcast of like the quiet part out loud, like yeah. it's like that internalized negative, really like not true, obviously quiet part, yeah. but that he's more than willing just to like throw out there. And with no remorse either. None at all. With no care in the world. Yeah. And I kind of put that film on the shelf for a while. And then when I, when I went into into therapy again, after the thing with the, with the four of the four of girl, mm-hmm. I wonder if I'm going to send this to, the, to that person. She's, um, she's gotten quite a few shout-outs, so, I mean, you might have to at this I, point. Clearly, she's still on the brain. Right, um, fair enough, yeah. But, yeah, so one of the things that we first started talking about was interable relationship. We didn't call it that at the time because none of us knew what it was called. Sure, yeah. In fact, I remember early on, I was so jaded and jaded from my experiences that, like, 
I didn't even think those could exist. I remember my therapist was like, oh, why don't you go and check out some positive representation of people living with disabilities in relationships? And I was like, there's no way that is, exists. Right, yeah. Right? And, and eventually I found this couple uh, called Swimmy and Grubs mm-hmm. on YouTube. They're mm-hmm. a very they're a great activist couple for interrelated relationships. And that, to me, that was how I started breaking down the stereotypes for myself, because mm-hmm. seeing that, and the conversation that's had in interabled is kind of the internal, the internal conversation I had with myself yeah. watching those videos, because, mm-hmm. you know, at first it's like, no, this can't be real. Right. There's got to be some, like, what's the catch here? And, yeah. like, the, the, the film unfolds as if it's a conversation with myself. Mm. It's me. That's why, n- not to do anything away here, but that's why the film kind of ends in the way it ends, is because that's kind of where, where I'm left. You know, those two two kind of worn different sides of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's I'm still working out which one, which one that I, I kind of give into. I mean, sure. Um, and a lot of things that's said in the film, I do kind of go back to what, what I'd experienced. I remember, I remember driving in the car with my dad, and he, he was saying, like, oh, you should go to the Little People, uh, little, the little people Convention, Little People of America Convention, mm-hmm. because for, for the listeners at home, I have the warfism as well. It's a little, little one-two punch with me. <laughs> um, and so, so he was saying that... Um, he was saying that it would be good for me to go to one of those conventions because it would be good for me to meet someone with the same lifestyle mm. as me. Mm. Which, you know, seems nice. Sure. But, uh, no, no. And to, when and I, I've gotten a couple of comments like that. like, And I think that people think that... I don't think that people understand that when they suggest that it sounds like they're suggesting an alternative to me, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, like, oh... This isn't for you, but you know what it is for you? More little people. Right. You know? Yeah. So it just shows that. And another story that really defined, you know, how I look, this is the Relationships and Sex podcast. Mm -hmm. A defining narrative for my sexual, my sexual, um, aspect of my persona, Mm -hmm. of who I am, and all that was. It came from this experience I had in grade 11 where mm-hmm. the same friend mm-hmm. who said... Who's getting know, a bunch of buzz on this episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just ripping the Scottish friends. <laughs> I, uh, I, I will not be sharing this episode with this person <laughs> probably. I, uh, I'm going to owe him a lot of money, I'm sure. <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah. when he got his first girlfriend, uh, I, I suggested to him... As any, you know, high school teenager I, would, yeah, I think. Yeah. Hey, like, maybe if she has a friend, we could do, try and do a double date sometime. Hey, like, been there, I get you, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it would be, you know, I know that you're embarking on this new journey in this relationship. It would be a way for us to kind of, you know, keep in each other's lives and, like, mm-hmm. for you to kind of have the best of both worlds. Yeah. And, of course, I wouldn't mind, you know, meeting someone special. Sure thing. And And so he asked... His girlfriend at the time, you know, hey, maybe we could set them up. And she said in response, and I, and this is a quote, ew, no, she wants the D. 
You know she wants the D. Mm. Oh. Now, here's a fun fact oh, for you. God. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's a fun fact for you. Uh-huh. I was not pleasant for that conversation. Okay. That was just something that my friend called me afterwards <laughs> to, to tell me because nice. he thought that I he felt the need that I needed to know what she said in response. Mm. Mm. That's always nice to hear, eh? Yeah, yeah. It was a real. It was a real nice Christmas gift he gave me with that one. Yeah, I can sure. imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that was one. That was something that, like, obviously, you know, what wh- when you heard that, like, you know, had, had you kind of like thought through where, like, your your like the sexual relationship that you had with yourself, and that, like, what you were able to give, and and kind of like how did that maybe cloud that uh, relationship? It, I think it created this feeling as though. I couldn't express that with women mm. because it just wouldn't be accepted. Mm. Mm. And this idea of already because of what I had been go- what I had experienced at that time, mm-hmm. <coughs> and it just was the, only there's the assumption too. Like her assumption was just that like that's just not a part of your life. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 I mean, you know. I think her assumption was I didn't have one, you know, and right. to which I would like to say on record, I very much do. That is going to be the title of this podcast. <laughs> oh, I I do have. If, by the way, like I do have. If you take nothing else from this interview, <laughs> and that's and, it right there. And if you just clip that 30 seconds for Instagram, <laughs> yeah. and that's all the context that people have, they are going to be so confused. Yeah, just, for the, just for the record, I have the D, okay? All right? Like, let's just so that, you know, let's get that I just want you to, <laughs> for everyone listening, yeah. we all know you're talking about No. And, but, oh, man, if, that, if that's not one of the Instagram clips, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Mm. As we kind of like, you know, start to to come to the end of, of our conversation, which has been amazing. And, and I, I very much am happy that you reached out and, and told me your story because this is I, I can't think of a better way to spend the uh, the Valentine's Day pod, which is this would be the third one three years in a row, which I'm, I'm stoked about. Um, then, then, you know, exploring like mental health and relationships and different kinds of relationships, which is amazing. I just hope that people don't make it to their date with tears on the, tears <laughs> in their eyes. I think honestly, man, I think that you're you're if the tears is gonna be tears of laughter. People have been like, there's you've been told some hoping. great stories, man. Mm. Like, no, and and that's the thing is like, and, and when I say like, you know, different relationships, I mean different relationship dynamics, and just kind of like how like, you know, we're look, we're talking about love, we're talking about sex. These are things that are like. They're, they're human, right? And it's like yeah. not every human is exactly the same. And it's like, you know, like you, we had talked about before, you know, disability being on a spectrum. And it's just like, yeah. you know, how you connect with somebody both emotionally and physically is also on a spectrum. Yeah. And, and there's always going to be, uh, you know, there's always going to be different ways that that can, you know, that can happen. But at the end of the day, it's all about what's on the inside and somebody's soul and connecting and just sharing a very human thing, which is yeah. amazing. And, and to me... I I needed to work through those stigmas and stereotypes mm-hmm. and figure out what I was capable of before I could offer that to someone else. Yeah. And now that I have done that, mm-hmm. I you know I don't think that I'm necessarily cured. I think sure. there are still some things I'm working through, as anyone is of course. You know, throughout their yep. life. But I feel like I'm in a better place now where I've been able to let go of a lot of things. Good. And, like we talked about off air, like, 
I had to build that build that sexual and romantic relationship with myself. Hundred percent. Before I could offer that to someone else. Totally. And totally. I, I'm aware of things. I know where things come from. I'm I'm in therapy regularly, mm-hmm. dealing with things. That's something that not not enough people are doing. No. And I. Not nearly as accessible to enough people either. That's the other thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and and also, too, like, as a general rule, I've always chosen to run towards my darkness mm. and run away from it. I think that if you run through it, it's the only way to truly get get through it. And if you run from it, you'll always be chasing you throughout your life. Mm. And so that's kind, of what, that's kind of the working theory that I... I go through. It's amazing, man. The last question I want to ask you, Spencer, before we uh, before we take off today, um, I think that like I just kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, talk through like any kind of like any kind of questions that you're sick of being asked, any kind of myths that you want to squash right now, just anything that you're just like, you know what? Um, I think that uh, this is something that like I just want pe- more people to just kind of like take into consideration. Well, first and foremost. There's this assumption there that you can't ask questions. Mm. That it's weird to ask questions. And I just want to squash that because I think it's better to ask questions. It's better to have these conversations. It's better to talk openly about these things. Because if you don't, you you come to assumptions about people. And the assumptions that people could come to about me... Are way worse than any answer I can give them. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about kids. Kids will ask the questions adults think are also right. thinking. <clears throat> and, and they'll get the answers because they're willing to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather someone ask me questions about what I'm capable of than assume I don't have the D. Right. You know? <laughs> Huge thank you to Spencer for coming on, sharing his insight, giving us a a look into this wonderful world of sex, love, and relationships, and and providing such a unique insight. A really amazing, a, a member of the LifeStart community, a listener of the podcast, a, a f- talented, wonderful filmmaker, and uh, it was just a pleasure to have him on. All the films that we talked about today, as well as uh, all of Spencer's socials, will be linked in the episode description, as well as uh, the ways you can get in touch and and get involved with the life strike community and that's going to do it for another steamy sex love and relationship episode i wanted to note in the last pod that i did say that the next episode meaning this episode would be the plant medicine and indigenous mental health episode uh but that episode very much in the works but i wanted to make sure that we got this one out first and uh stuck with this tradition of getting the sex love and relationship episode out around valentine's day uh thank you all for listening take care of yourselves And just remember, life's a wreck. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.